us to worship the Lord God, our King. He's given us life and eternal life. He's given us purpose. And to know this, that we will be fellowshipping with one another and with him throughout all eternity. What a true blessing that is from God the Father. So, Father God, as we turn to your word now, as we focus now on the celebration of Hanukkah, the Jewish people were to be a light to the nations. And from the Jewish people came the promised Messiah, spoken through by the prophets of old. All your word, Almighty Father, through your holy prophets, is just an amen, and it shall come to pass. And so, Father God, we thank you that you cause us to walk on this journey with you. So even in our days, we can see that your word is being fulfilled in our daily lives, in the lives of others. To your name be all praise and glory and honor in Yeshua's name. Amen. Turn with me now, if you like to, to Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8. I'll be going into the history of Hanukkah. And you know, the history of Hanukkah, the prophecies of it is in the prophets. But also there's other books, First and Second Maccabees, that speak of and give a historical account. And so with that, I will share part of this introduction for everyone today. And so the first part of this message is entitled History of Hanukkah. Now, I could speak on this for many hours, so I've really shortened it down. And this is a brief overview, okay? Uh, next Shabbat, I'll be teaching on when Yeshua celebrated Hanukkah and give a little bit more insights. So today, it's the history of Hanukkah. And the second part of today's message is Hanukkah, the rekindling of righteousness. Not our own self-righteousness, but the righteousness that God has produced in us by the Ruach, by the Spirit of the living God. So let us begin. If you notice, the word Hanukkah is spelt two different ways. You have the one H-A-N-U-K-K-A-H, but it also can be spelt C-H-A-N-U-K-A-H. Isn't that interesting? But both are acceptable. So Hanukkah celebrates the cleansing of the temple. Which temple? One's in India? No, in Jerusalem, in the land of Israel. Following the revolt of the Maccabees. Now, who are these Maccabees? All right. So perhaps a better uh, explanation of what the word Maccabee is, is that this was a, a Jewish family. All right. And so the word Maccabee means hammer. But if you translate it into Greek, it means strong fighter. And so another interesting thing is that the word Maccabee comprises of the initial letters of a verse that Jewish people sang after the Red Sea was split in two. And we sing this song from time to time in our congregations. Me, the first part, 
Mi kamoka balim Hashem. Who is like you among the mighty, O God? It is said that this phrase was the Maccabean battle cry. It was written on their banners and also on their shields. So continuing, following the revolt of the Maccabees against the Seleucid Greek Empire of Syria, Hanukkah is sometimes called what? The Festival of Lights. Because it commemorates the traditional account of a miracle of finding one cruise of sacred olive oil, enough for one day that actually lasted up to eight days. Now, the Bible doesn't speak about that. Man's tradition historically speaks of this, okay? But let us continue. The length of time that it took to produce those eight days, more sanctified oil for the near Talmud. And what is that? That's the eternal light in the temple. Hanukkah is also known as a festival of dedication. As the temple was sanctified again and dedicated to the true worship of the living God. You know, in the scripture, it says about us, those who are believers and put their trust in Messiah Yeshua are actually called the temples of the God Most High where the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, dwells. And so this menorah that was in the temple that would burn every day was to show that God the Father's presence was there in the midst of the people. So continuing here. The events that we celebrate at Hanukkah happened about approximately 165 years before the birth of Messiah Yeshua. Like much of the rest of the world, Israel had been conquered then by whom? By Alexander the Great. But he was a largely benevolent ruler, allowing the peoples he conquered to retain their religion and their customs. But after his death, Alexander's kingdom was divided into four regions among his four leading generals. And the Jews fell under the control of the Salutes in Syria. So 100 years after Alexander had died, Antiochus, also called Antiochus Epiphanes, came to power. He greatly expanded the reach and control of the Syrian-based empire. He nearly conquered all of Egypt when the Romans stepped in to force him to return to his native land. Not even Antiochus was willing to stand up against the mighty Roman. Just as Jano had prophesied hundreds of years before, Antiochus attacked the city of Jerusalem and he defiled the temple. So now we are in Daniel chapter 8. And we're looking at verses 9 and 10. Daniel chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. Daniel received a vision. And this was during the Babylonian captivity where Daniel was. Yeah, I'm sorry, Balthazar. I apologize. Out of one of them came a little horn, which grew greatly, extremely big, in the directions to the south and the east in the direction of the glory. 
and it grew so great that it reached the army of heaven. It hurled some of the army and its stars to the ground and trampled on them. Yes, it even considered itself as great as a prince of the army. The regular burnt offering was taken away from him, and the place of his sanctuary was thrown down. Through sin, the army was put in its power, along with, regular, with the regular burnt offering. It flung truth on the ground, and it acted, and it prospered. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to the speaker, How long will the events of the vision last? This vision concerning the regular offerings and the transgression which is so appalling that allows the sanctuary and the army to be trampled underfoot. The first said to me, 2,300 evenings and mornings, after which the sanctuary will be restored to its rightful state. And so this is the word of God given through the prophet Daniel, speaking about someone that was going to come in the future against the nation of Israel. Now, continuing now in Daniel chapter 11, and we're going to be looking at verse 31 and 32. See, God never leaves his people in the dark. He's always speaking and revealing his truth through them, to them through his holy word. We have recorded here in the Tanakh, God's holy prophets, in the Brit Hadashah, his apostles spoke and confirmed what was already said and written and what would come to pass in the last days. So here we are in Daniel chapter 11, verses 31 and 32. Armed forces will come at his order and profane the sanctuary and the fortress. They will abolish the daily burnt offering and set up an abomination that causes desolation. Those who act wickedly against the covenant, he will corrupt with his bladesmen's blandishments, but the people who know their God will stand firm and they shall prevail. And so Daniel, excuse me, uh, the Maccabees and Matthias, who's the father, he's a priest who's serving in Israel. He knew about this prophecy. And so when Antiochus started doing these things, and I'll go into greater detail here, it was the promise of God's word that they stood upon that they rose up and they revolted against this king. So now continuing here. Antiochus, then he's placed a statue of the Greek god Zeus in the temple in Jerusalem. And then he went and he sacrificed a pig on the altar in the Holy of Holies to defile it. When the Jewish priests refused to eat the meat of the pig, he had their tongues cut out before having them killed. Eventually, all biblical observances were outlawed, from circumcision to observing the holy muadim, and that is the assembling, the appointed days. And so he said that to the Jewish people, you can no longer celebrate Pesach, Passover. You can no longer celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You can no longer celebrate first fruits, Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, and Pentecost, which were the appointed times in the spring for the Jewish men to come into Jerusalem and observe these feasts before the Lord. And the fall feasts, the Moedim, Yom Truah, the Feast of Trumpets, which is usually celebrated around the time of Rosh Hashanah. 
Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and Sukkot, the Feast or Tabernacles. So they were forbidden. Why? Because they were to embrace the Greek culture. Because Antiochus believed that if he could control his, all the people that he was over, if they had all the same religion, that he would be more successful in keeping them in line. Many chose of the Jewish people to compromise, and they accepted the Hellenized form of life, which is Greek culture. As Ananicus uh, killed many of the adults and children, and as a terrifying warning to all who would deny the true God and worship him. But a small band of Jewish people revolted against the cruelty of Ananicus, Antiochus. I'm so used to saying his name this way, Antiochus. Under the leadership of Judah Maccabee, which means hammer, and his brothers, and they escaped to the Judean mountains. They refused to bow their knees to a pagan god. They believed that the prophecies in Daniel, which we've just read, held the promise that this abomination would only last for a limited time. Judas and his small band of men fought from the hills and from the countryside against a much larger occupying Syrian army. They were miraculously successful in driving them out of the country and reestablished Jewish independence. This was around 165 before the Common Era. The temple was freed and it was rededicated to the Lord, the God of Israel. This is the event that sparked what is known as Hanukkah. But the festival commemorates the dedication of the temple rather than a military victory. Before the temple could be used again for sacrifices and worship, it had to be cleared of what? The defilement of that pig being offered on the altar, on the stones in the Holy of Holies, because they had been desecrated by pig's blood. The Jewish priests and the rabbis faced a dilemma. The stones themselves were considered to be holy. They had been in the presence of the Shekinah, which is the glorious presence of God, but they were also defiled. The Jewish priests and rabbis could not agree on what to do. So the decision was made to pile those stones in the area of the temple known as Solomon's portico. And I'd like to, you for you to underline that into your minds because next week we find Yeshua, Jesus, celebrating Hanukkah and where is he standing? But in Solomon's portico. And he declares to the nation of Israel, I'm the light of the world, the true light. And we'll go into that in greater detail. So this way, the defiled stones were not in contact now with the holy things. Why? Because they were out on Solomon's portico. But neither were they removed from the temple. The Jewish priests and rabbis taught this that when Mashiach, Messiah comes, he will tell them what they should do with the defiled stones. And think about this. When we read next Shabbat in John chapter 10, where it speaks about Yeshua being there, he is actually seeing and looking at these stones. But he's silent. Why? Because he was 
to come first as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. He was to die on that execution stake upon that cross and raised from the dead so we could have eternal life and that our sins could be washed by his precious blood. It was not the Father's timing for him to reveal that. If you go to Jerusalem today, you go towards the Temple Mount, you'll find on the outside of the Temple Mount, there are those stones. Because when Rome came in AD 70, they destroyed not only the temple, but the city of Jerusalem. And when he returns on the Mount of Olives and he goes through that golden gate and he sets up his millennial kingdom upon this earth, then he will deal with those stones. But think about this. They were expecting the Mashiach, the Messiah, to deliver them at any moment. And are we not doing the same today? He's coming back for his bride. Both Jews and Gentiles, one and Messiah. This shall be all fulfilled. But let's get back to Hanukkah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Another part of the cleansing process was to relight the lampstand or the menorah that stood in the holy place of the temple. The menorah was commanded to burn continually before the Lord. And it's called the Nir Talmud, the eternal light. Turn with me now quickly to the book of Leviticus, that is Vaikra. We're going to be looking at chapter number uh, 24 and beginning at verse 1. Leviticus chapter 24 and verse 1. And Adonai said to Moshe, Moses, order the people of Israel to bring pure oil from crushed olives for the light, to keep the lamps burning when always, outside the curtain of the testimony in the tent of meeting. Aharon, Aaron is to arrange for the light to be kept burning always, from evening until morning before Adonai. This is to be a permanent regulation throughout all your generations. He is always to keep in order the lamps on the pure menorah before Adonai. So here was a command that the Jewish priests were supposed to fulfill. And Aaron did not live forever, so it was passed on from one of his sons to the next son, from generation up to this time of the Maccabees. So continuing here, but most of the oil had been defiled by the Syrians. The Jewish priests and the rabbis were only able to find enough oil to light the menorah lamp for one day. It would take eight days to prepare a new supply of consecrated oil. And this is tradition. The Bible doesn't speak about this. But you know what's beautiful about the Bible? The Bible speaks and has us focus on the things that the Lord wants us to focus on. We have so much going on in our lives, do we not, every day? How much time do we honestly and earnestly spend in the presence of the Lord so he can speak to us daily? He desires an intimate and that fellowship with us daily. And know this, that he has given us the gift of the Ruach HaKodesh, the third part of the Trinity, who is there to prepare us as his bride, both Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah, to be ushered in the presence of before God the Father, 
to enter into a greater intimacy than ever before with Yeshua, our Lord, Redeemer, and Savior that shall last throughout all eternity. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so continuing here, miraculously, the oil that should have lasted one day kept the menorah burning for eight full days. This is why Hanukkah is all, often called the Festival of Lights and why it's celebrated by the lighting of the candles. And when you think about the miracles that Yeshua did when he was in this earth, when he took those three fish and the, and the two loaves of bread, and he multiplied that, our God can do the miraculous. So the scripture doesn't speak of it, but man's tradition speaks of it. And so let's give glory to God for all this. Now, the second portion of this message is Hanukkah, the rekindling of righteousness. What is Hanukkah more than candles and presents? See, we Jews, we give one another presents for those eight days. What if it isn't really a memorial of a miracle? What if the real Hanukkah story is actually a rallying cry for the Jewish people and a graphic exhortation to all those who have dedicated their lives to serve Messiah Yeshua, those the nations who've been grafted in to the commonwealth of Israel, the spiritual Israel. Today, the occasional passing homage to the real story of Hanukkah is too often lost in the buzz of wintertime festivities. As a result of what many do not remember about Hanukkah, it is its unsettling, unsanitized, and all too important origins. So now we're going to go back towards the origins of this. The real story of Hanukkah is a story of turmoil, upheaval for the nation of Israel. It is a story about attempted assimilation of the Jewish people approximately 200 years before the birth of Yeshua the Messiah. And what would have happened if the Jewish people were no more? Messiah could not come. That's why Hasatan has been trying to destroy God's seed, the Redeemer of the world, for all time. He even continues today, even though the birth and death of Messiah. Think about all the nations of the world that are now pushing against the nation of Israel. But the Lord said this would all come to pass, and they were not to fear. Because when all the nations push aside and persecute and come against the nation of Israel, then the Lord will reveal his righteous hand and deliver them as he's done in the past. He will fulfill in the future. So let's continue in here. So the real story of Hanukkah is a story of turmoil and upheaval for the nation of Israel. It's a story about attempted assimilation of the Jewish people approximately 200 years before Yeshua with the latest of Israel's foreign dictators, Antiochus Epiphanes, slaughtering many of the people of Israel and plundering the city of Jerusalem. He stole from the treasury. He took women and children and livestock captive and he sold the women and children as slaves. He then enforced the widespread adoption of his one world religion. He's a type of the anti-Messiah, the Antichrist, who's yet to come. See, Daniel's prophecy is a double prophecy. 
that was fulfilled in the time of the Maccabees and will later be fulfilled in the last days. Because there will be a third temple in Jerusalem. And the anti-Messiah, the Antichrist, will make a covenant with Israel for seven years, but he will cheat. He will break that covenant after three years. So let us here focus on this as we go forward with Hanukkah. Then he then enforced the widespread adoption of a one world religion that could seal not only the fate, not only Israel, but all the surrounding nations round about them. With so many Jews already subjected themselves to Antiochus' rule, the next step in securing Israel's acceptance of his religion was to make the keeping of Torah and the continuation of the temple service to be as a crime against the state. Isn't it amazing that during COVID, that many nations said the assembling of people who worship together was forbidden? Now, I don't want to get in an argument over COVID, but I believe that people are desensitized over a period of time. In Nazi Germany, what happened to my Jewish people, it was increment by increment by increment. And so I believe this, that all believers who believe in Messiah, as we enter in these last days, as Alan shared earlier, if you speak against someone who says they are of a different gender or you don't believe as God has ordained a marriage is between one man and woman, not two men and not two women, that this will be seen as a hate crime. You'll be prosecuted. You'll be put in jail. You'll lose your job and probably all your possessions will be taken. But that does not matter since we're living for the one true God who possesses our heart and soul. You know, when he comes back for us, we're not going to be taking our suitcases with us. We're going up in his presence. He's giving us a brand new body. He'll give us brand new garments. He'll provide for us. It says there are dwelling places in the Father's house that await us. Let's get back to the message. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, he desired for them to take everything away related to the Torah and the temple service. Everything that defined and distinguished Israel from the nations would be now eliminated. Why? Because it was considered crimes against the state. The king's scheme was ingenious. The goal was astonishing, self-evident. This cause, the causes that the Jews to forget who they are their identity. And what does Hasatan, the devil, want to do for those who've been grafted in? Both Jews and Gentiles, one Messiah. He wants us to forget our identity in Messiah who lives within us and meets all our needs. So what came next was astonishing censorship. Are we not facing censorship from the outside today? Absolutely. Witch hunts, executions, and butchery of the innocents. 
Think about Nazi Germany. We Jews could not sit on that bench. We could not go and go to these certain shops. When we saw someone who was not Jewish, we had to cross to the other side of the street. And at times we were not even allowed to walk on the sidewalks. We had to walk in the gutters. But let us continue. Censorship. The beaten path of assimilation, once so willingly trodden by some, was now the road of forced passage and death march for the rest. The immoral alternative lifestyle, previously dismissed or forbidden. Being Jewish, retaining any semblance of the unique, distinct peoplehood of Israel, now officially was now a crime against the state. So treacherous individualist assimilation of yesterday was no longer a free choice for the people. Now, for the entire nation, there was only one option, to convert and to worship Zeus, to offer a pig on the altar, or to die. When anti-Messiah and the false prophets set up that false image of the beast in the temple, the people who were dwelling on the earth at that time will be commanded to worship that image of the beast, which is a replica of the anti-Messiah. And who empowers the anti-Messiah, the Antichrist? But Hasatan himself, who desired worship. This is all going to be laid out. We see it in the scripture. God's word is yes and amen. So continuing here. But all, now not all is lost. For even as many were crushed by the evils of oppression, a stalwart few would re reignite the Jewish people's fire for God. Matthias, that's his Greek name. You know what his Hebrew name is? Matthiahu, in English, Matthew. A faithful Jewish priest and father of Judah Maccabee lamented Israel's ruin, his overwhelming sense of helplessness now to stop it. As he witnessed the atrocities, he recognized the gut-wrenching pattern of Israel's former troubles in foreign lands. Remember Babylon? That captivity? Continuing. With the ancient embedded memory stirring with his innermost parts, Matthiahu Matthias's heart knew fell well how the coming sequence of events would now unfold. When the officers of King, King Atenochus arrived in the city of Moadim, have you ever thought of that word? That's a city and town that's called this, the place that the Lord has required for you to stand before him. Remember all those feasts, those appointed times? That's what literally that town and city mean. So continuing here. The city of Modim, to compel the Jewish people to make sacrifices unto Zeus by the use of pigs. They were met with a visibly resistant Metiahu. Sensing his antagonism, they attempted to appeal to him on a level that they wholly expected to reach any Jew. And what is that? Through the flesh. Did not Potiphar's wife 
want to move upon Joseph by appealing to his flesh? But he was a changed man. The Lord owned him. Continuing, the officers dangled the carrots of flattery and prestige and obscene wealth before what they must certainly have thought to be just another corruptible Jew. They also endeavored to control Metiahu in compliance by pressuring him to conform to the ways of his peers. But with this Jew trying to capitalize on men's usual weakness would prove to be serious miscalculation and the appealing to his flesh. They succeeded only in leasing the unquestionable righteous zeal for God. These are Matthew's recorded words. He answered the offers in a loud voice. God forbid that we would forsake Hashem, the Lord, and the Torah and the commandments. We will not obey the words of King Adonikos, nor depart from our religion in the slightest degree. As he finished saying these words, Matthew rose up and he killed the king's messenger. There's now a death sentence upon his head. Not only him, but his whole family and those who lived in the village. Because you, many of us don't remember this, but there were Levites. Jewish priests that were sound, assigned to certain areas to minister to the people who dwelled in these areas. So continuing here. His own sons did the same to the officers who were forcing them to sacrifice. Matiyahu tore down the altar and thus he showed his zeal for Hashem, the Lord and the Torah and the commandments, just as Phineas did to Zimri, the son of Saul. Where can we find this? Let's now turn to Bemidbar. We're almost done with today's message. Bemidbar, which is Numbers chapter 25. Numbers 25. We'll be going beginning at verse number one. Praise be unto God. Are you ever inspired by men and women who have stood and honored the Lord, their God, with their lives? See, there's many inspiration stories here. Men and women of faith who, even though were willing to lay down their lives so that God could be glorified in their midst. And so here we are in Numbers chapter 25 and, and verse 1. Israel stayed at Shittim, and there the people began whoring with women of Moab. These women invited the people to sacrifice to their gods, where the people ate and bowed down to their gods. With Israel thus joined Baal Peor, the anger of Adonai blazed up against Israel. Adonai said to Moshe, take all the chiefs of the people and hang them facing the sun before Adonai so that the raging fear of Adonai will turn away from Israel. Moshe said to the judges of Israel, Each of you put to death those in his tribe who have joined themselves to Baal Paror. Just then, in the sight of Moshe, Moses, the whole community of Israel, as they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting, 
a man from Israel came by bringing to his family a woman of Midian. When Thinkus, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aharon the Cohen, saw it, he got up from the middle of the crowd and took a spear in his hand. And he pursued the man from Israel right into the inner part of the tent, where he thrust his spear through both of them, the man of Israel and the woman, through their, their stomach. Thus the plague among the people of Israel stopped. Nevertheless, 24,000 died in the plague. See, here was Matthew's example. Because he was not to worship a pagan god. So continuing here. Then Menyahu went through the city shouting, let everyone who is zealous for, for the Hashem, the Lord in Torah, and who stands by the covenant, follow after me. Thereupon he fled the mountains with his sons, leaving behind all their city and their possessions. See, the Lord is what they desire to possess because he possessed them. The things of this world, they will all pass away. There's not one thing that you own, no matter what you cherish on this earth, will be, will be brought into heaven with you. But there are rewards, and there's the Father's provision that has no defilement in it, that brings glory and honor to the Father that awaits you. So let us continue and finish this message. So the rallying cry of the devoted Jewish priest rang after him as he sped through the streets of Moedim. <clears throat> Many who could no longer bear the crushing weight of unrighteousness oppression gathered with their families and followed Metiahu out into the desert mountains. Matthias Metiahu and his devoted band of zealots fought a fight for righteousness, though it would not be until after Metiahu's <clears throat> death that the fruit of his dedication would be fully grown. So they saw themselves as fighting for God himself, and they prayed to God's success in their battles. Judah the Maccabee, the warrior's son, who would promptly pick up his father's torch to lead the way to the victorious rededication of the temple and the institution of Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication. And this is what Yehuda would tell his troops many times, that the victory does not depend on the number of soldiers, but it depends on this, on our faithfulness to God. So what is going to hold the believer in these last days? Our faithfulness, our intimacy, knowing his word. When deception comes and misleading to follow after another comes before us, we will choose the Lord and we'll walk in his provision, in his delight. He will give us courage and strength. We have nothing to fear. Continuing here. The spark of righteousness of the faithful few set a restoration movement on fire. Their zeal was marked by absolute refusal to conform <coughs> and to consummate fervor for Hashem the Lord and Torah, the covenant, and the God of their fathers. Then fathers and mothers dedicated their lives 
and the lives of their children to the sole cause of reviving Israel. May the real story of Hanukkah ignite within us the passion for righteousness and the restoration of God's own people, Israel. So my next message, which will be next Shabbat, will be on Yeshua celebrating Hanukkah. It's for the month of Kis Kislev, which is December. According to the Jewish calendar, it's Kislev 29. But for us, according to the Gregorian calendar, it's December 24th. We'll be celebrating here as a congregation Hanukkah together. This will be at our Hanukkah celebration party. So Yeshua, as I said earlier, read these scriptures. John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. So Yeshua traveled all the way up from Galilee down to Jerusalem to celebrate this time, the rededication of the temple. But you know what the Lord desires? That we would rededicate our earthly temples so that the uh, presence of his Ruach, his Holy Spirit can dwell within us. Remember, he was sent to us as a gift to lead us into all truth. Praise be unto God. Shabbat shalom.